It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Good afternoon. This is the COB. Great to have you, company. My name's Kyle Rodder, and I'm, of course, with Juliet Sully. Juliet, great to have you on Thank board. Thank you. So fun to be doing this with you on a Friday afternoon on an interesting week for markets, hasn't it been? It certainly has been an interesting week and a number of fronts. And we, of course, will tackle mm. all of those issues. But um, let's just check where the market has finished for the day's trade now. Um, really grinding lower into the close. The SIBO 200, well, up perhaps uh, a fraction here, 0.15%. Yeah, and I think a lot of the heavy lifting in the latter part of the trade particularly is is coming through from these miners, particularly as you saw that surge coming through in the iron ore price. So you've got the likes of BHP, Rio, Fortescue all up by more than 1%. And also some pretty good um, movement coming through from healthcare stocks as well. But as we know, the the banks have certainly been under a bit of pressure. Yeah, indeed. And uh, actually, it's a the right time perhaps to, to, to pick up on some of the areas of the market that were well stronger and perhaps a little weaker today as well starting with well the real estate stocks uh reits uh perhaps if we can uh having a few issues with that graphic let's get to the utilities though um another area of the market that we were keeping our eye on there we go um broadly higher across the board interestingly enough uh, i'm not too sure if there was anything there in particular especially in uh, this environment rising rates mm. at the long end uh, while utilities might be pushing high it could be just a little bit of a rebound but um, seeing some strength across the board there and uh, the telcos in yeah. focus too and i mean the story of the week has really been telstra hasn't it with that mm. two billion dollar profit but uh, one investor describing the fact that shareholders aren't going to be getting a short-term sugar hit from a potential return of capital is a, a bit of a disappointment and you have seen a bit of a sell down coming through in the telco holding just above four dollars there are nine entities Entertainment a little off and seven West Media down by about 2.8%. We did have seven group, of course, reporting this week too. Yes, we did. And uh, Ryan Stokes did uh, provide us with a little bit of time. So if you want some colour on that, you can go to your platform and uh, we'll get it straight from the proverbial horse's mouth, of course. <laughs> but uh, Juliet, three themes. Let's go through them all because I kind of get the feeling that the market was hit from all sides yeah. this week. Um, and well, we were talking about what the theme should be. We I were. thought um, I would channel my inner Dr. Phil, not just because of the haircut, but also <laughs> Uh, real rates, let's get real. Real yields in the United States hitting levels we haven't seen since 2007, I think it is. Yep. And whenever that happens, of course, that's going to compress uh, valuations across other asset classes. Yeah, it's all about being these rising bond yields. You know, every mm. morning we wake up and, and watch that and the impact that that has had to, to global equities as well. And, and Larry Summers, the former US Treasury Secretary, also saying, look, you could be expecting an average of about 4.75% mm. in the next decade. So, of course, the big, the big flow on effect there in terms of what that means, as you say, to valuations as well. I mean, Evergrande Effect, this is one close to my heart because I covered this stock for years in uh, Hong Kong and Singapore. And, you know, it it is a company that has just been in the doldrums for so long and finally filing for that Chapter 15 bankruptcy in the Manhattan court. The stock hasn't traded since March last year, but you've got these other flow-on effects of what it means for the broader property sector, for the China slowdown. Country Garden now in focus too. Is it going to have to default to? Yeah, definitely. And uh, well, we spoke a little bit about the materials and the weakness uh, a lot this week uh, that Mm. we experienced, but that was 
a real weight on the market down, I think almost 4.5% yeah. uh, over the course of the week. Um, and we've already touched on it a little bit there, but earnings season volatility, we've seen plenty of that. We're going to have Dr. Shane Oliver coming up. He's got an interesting chart about, um, well, some of the hits and misses of, of yeah. companies. And uh, it really seems to me anyway that the most difficult thing uh, for uh, coming out of this earnings season is just simply uh, trying to get a good feel of, um, well, where earnings ought to be on the upside and the, and, and, and the downside as well. So big hits, but big misses too. Yeah, I think interestingly, some of the companies have probably paid dividends that investors weren't expecting or mm. even special dividends. And, and we've seen that with a number of, of stocks that have been surprising to the upside. I personally don't think it's been as bad as many mm. feared, but I know that that is a personal opinion and others have, have different views, but it, it does come down and, and who cares what I think anyway? Let's get what, what Dr. Oliver thinks in a little while. Yeah, so it certainly will. Um, but let's just recap some of the day's earnings. It was a little quieter today, almost fortunately, because we had, a, of course, one of our, well, our first Super Thursday mm. yesterday. And actually, next week's going to be even busier. But uh, Latitude did report and, well, the embattled, well, what would you call it? Um, uh, Finance company, finance company uh, yeah. down, uh, posting a very significant net loss, $98.2 million. And uh, a lot of that was to do with that cyber attack that disrupted operations throughout the last financial year. Yeah, ongoing pain point there. And, and the fact that it's not going to pay a dividend really uh, leading to some investor pain point as well too. If we look as well at uh, Centuria Capital, it was back into profitability. Uh, the group's assets under management, $21 billion, stat net profit after tax, just under $106 million. Uh, so that was a company that uh, did, I guess, come with some good numbers coming through and yeah. a, a pretty good distribution there too. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Abacus Group also reporting today, uh, group statutory profit uh, 95.1% uh, down 95.1% to 25.5 million dollars, distribution per security 18.4 cents. So that was another in focus today. Uh, mm. But last and of course not least, Juliet, uh, Magellan. Yeah. Speaking of embattled companies. Speaking indeed, but again, getting to that point of, of announcing special dividends, I mean, nearly 40 cents there, uh, or a 30 cent special dividend, but a dividend of nearly 40 cents as well. So I think that's why you can see such immense um, speculation and, and interest in this stock today when you're going to potentially get a payout of 70 cents. Net profit after tax coming in at $182.6 million. They do continue to see funds under management bleed the company really struggling to revive its once, I guess, high-flying status and the profits that we used to see from Magellan. Indeed, and it was one of the uh, well market leaders throughout the day. And as a result, we thought we'd make it our stock of the day. Danny Akia had a chat with Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital, as well as Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Have a listen to what they had to say. Performance is improving. The management seems to be on top of things. Special dividends. Now, before we get carried away with this, uh, because we have seen uh, a lot of volatility in the market recently with these results, and some results, they get a big spike on the result, and then they fall away afterwards. So it'll just be interesting to see how we react on Monday. But certainly, this is a much better result from Magellan. Andrew Formica uh, coming on board as well. He's quite well respected in the industry. So that is a positive as well as the chair. And uh, as I say, it is all about funds performance. Once you get that going, 
and you can crank up the marketing machine, you can get funds under management up. A little bit ritzy for my liking. If it came back on uh, next week, and we've seen this with some of the stocks that have performed pretty well on results, if it came back 5 6 7%, uh, back down maybe to uh, sort of 950 980 then I'd probably look at it. I think you would hold it here. I know 20% is a, is a big move, and I agree with Henry. On these numbers themselves, you probably say it's a bit too much, and you could you probably can sit back if you're on the sidelines, sit back, and, and you know you probably can pick it up a bit cheaper as it as it just drifts back a little bit. Um, but it's not expensive, particularly if you if you sort of subtract that that you know roughly billion dollars of of assets um, off their market cap. Okay, so I won't be going to the investment committee, but uh, all the guys there are saying that, you know, maybe given the big sell-off we've seen in Magellan over the last, well, what's it been, two years now, mm. uh, there could be value starting to emerge. I guess we'll just keep, keep following those um, yeah. uh, funds inflow and outflows um, because they have, well, been bleeding. Yes. Over the good, last good term years. for that. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, but let's get to our guest for the COB. And as always, on a Friday afternoon, Dr. Shane Oliver from AMP joins us now. Dr. Oliver, great to have you on board once again. Uh, it's been a debate this week in the newsroom. Has this been a better than expected earnings season or perhaps worse than expected earnings season? We've got a nice graph which uh, spells it all out for us. But what's your verdict so far on what we've got from company uh, company reports? Look, I'd say it's probably better than expected or at least better than feared. Uh, the share market is still down, um, but that's because of other things. Uh, I, I think, yeah, there was a lot of fear and, and uncertainty going into this reporting season, but by and large, companies have actually, if you look at the upside surprise on that chart there, back in the last reporting season, it was just 27% upside surprise. This time it's around 45%. Um, yeah, a few more disappointments, but um, by and large, that that is an improvement. Um, so I, I think the, uh, the the big surprise though was the extent that retailers have been quite strong. Many retailers have seen uh, a rise in profits, and that's seen their share price respond accordingly. But you've got to be a little bit cautious there because if you dig beneath the surface, they are warning that a lot of that strength was either in the uh, the first half of the financial year, which is the December half, or if growth continued into the into this uh, into this uh, calendar year, it started to slow off in July. So there are a few uh, warning signs in there that uh, retailing, at least, is certainly starting to slow down. Likewise, when you look at some of the building material companies, good news there, but GWA were warning that demand for things that go into kitchens and bathrooms mm. uh, looks like it's starting to slow down. So there are some warning signs there. The other thing to note is that the profit growth expectation, I think, was something like 2% uh, coming into this reporting season. Um, and the expectations for the current financial year, on my reading of it, have, if anything, been revised down further. They're more negative than they were when we started the report um, being released. And we also are stepping down from 21 22% profit growth in the previous financial year, in 21-22. So we have seen quite a sharp slowing in profit growth. Um, and there are those telltale signs there, particularly from retailers building materials. And we also seen that slowdown in terms of uh, resources companies. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that too, Shane, because especially when you start to look at the China activity and, and what that means for the commodities picture, the concerns in the property sector still ongoing. And uh, we have seen quite a bit of a, a spike in iron ore today. But what are you seeing in terms of the, the China activity picture? 
Well, it's it's pretty messy. This week we got a, a good update on that earlier in the week and all of the indicators there for um, retail sales, industrial production, investment, uh, property investment in particular or pr- property construction, uh, property sales, they're all on the weak side. It's always hard to interpret Chinese data and that da- that chart there does look kind of messy, so we've had to put a three-month moving average through it. But we did see that initial spike uh, going into the early part of the year, but that seems to have faded quite substantially. And we're now starting to see um, economists revise down their growth forecast for China for this this calendar year. And then, of course, you've got these property issues going on in the background. I, I mean, Evergrande today declaring bankruptcy in the US. I think that's just a Chapter 11 to protect their US um, uh, business or yeah, um, yeah, suits coming from US creditors. but um, So there's nothing necessarily new in there, but it does highlight the ongoing issue, particularly given that we've had those problems with Country Garden. We've got those issues with a Chinese bank uh, that's uh, stopped some of its payments on its mostly property-related funds. So there is an ongoing issue there. And the bigger picture issue in China is that for many, many years it recirculated or uh, recycled, if you like, it's very high savings rate. They save about 45% of their GDP. We in Australia save about 20, 25% of our GDP. So there's a lot of money that has to be recycled. Uh, they would typically do that with very high levels of of uh, fixed asset investment um, to, to feed the export markets. But of course, that has become more problematic with geopolitical issues and other things. Uh, and then some of the money started to go into property markets, and that looks like it's come to an end as well. So you've got this country which has a chronic excess savings problem, very different to many other countries. Uh, and if you don't find avenues to spend that money, you end up with deflation and ongoing potential potential stagnation. So they do have to try and resolve that. They really do need to try and find ways to get consumers in China to spend more and save less. Uh, just on that, and potentially around the remedies to this issue, because a lot of folks have been saying that, well, we're seeing some sort of parallels to Japan in the 1980s in particular, that <laughs> China is heading for some sort of balance sheet recession. And really the only remedy to sort that out will be, well, the government effectively uh, being far more active on a fiscal side to try and stimulate things. I mean, do you feel as though, especially next week, we've got uh, some more uh, news coming out from the PBOC as far as uh, monetary policy, that really it's going to require a fiscal impulse to try and, well, turn the ship around, so to speak? Look, I think it probably will. Um, it's interesting you were just making that reference to Japan. I mean, so many times you hear, see the headline <laughs> turning Japanese after the song. And in fact, I've got a report I was just uh, looking at right now, <laughs> um, which has that very same headline. Um, and it's been applied to various other countries over the years, but most recently, of course, to China. And there are those parallels there. I guess the big difference is that China um, made its, sorry, Japan made its way to being a rich country or you know, a high income country before it started to slow down, uh, whereas China is still a fair way away from that, that point. Um, but anyway, that's, there's a longer term issue there. I think they do need fiscal stimulus, and that's probably the only way out of this. They have to find ways to help the, the Chinese consumer. Um, they need more in the way of social security, so people feel that if they get sick, they've got adequate backup, um, and likewise more help for get when they go into retirement and with education. So all of those things need more spending um, to help the Chinese consumer sort of start spending more and saving less. And I think we probably will see that. It's hard to see the Chinese authorities just sitting by and letting their economy 
stagnate or yeah or, or worse. Um, obviously, they've been reluctant under the the leadership that's been in place since 2012-2013 uh, to embark on big stimulus programs because it can lead to imbalances. But by the same token, I, I still think the new leadership or the, the leadership we now have, do not want to see the Chinese economy collapse to the extent mm. that they have social unrest. Uh, Shane, your take on the unemployment rate, which ticked up to 3.7%, uh, the level that we hadn't seen since April, how how worrying is this or, or does it show some kind of resilience when you look at the fact that it was at 3.6 and now we're at 3.7? <laughs> Well, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You could argue that it's been range-bound for a little while there, 3.7, 3.6, back down again and so on. But it's it it looks to me like it's bottomed. You can see that zigzaggy pattern in the blue line on the chart there, which is the unemployment rate. So it's been zigzagging around a bit. But it looks like we did see the low at 3.4% in October last year and sort of a a mild trend up since then. Likewise, the underemployment rate is doing the same thing. It bottomed at 5.8% early this year, now 6.4%. So seeing a bit of an uptrend there. The, the thing that that this the, the thing that makes me aware that the likelihood is we'll see a more upside is the other part of that chart there, which was the blue line, I think it was, which showed the the ratio of job applicants uh, for job vacancies on the seek um, websites and you can see that there is quite a sharp rising trend there there's more people showing up to apply for jobs likewise it's the uh the black line actually so don't get hung up with the levels they're always different focus on the direction the direction for that black line which we've shown with the three-month lead is up and that tells me or is a warning sign that uh there's more people out there looking for jobs um and uh, at the same time, we've seen a decline in the number of job vacancies, business hiring plans are looking less favourable, and also the Melbourne Institute's um, survey asked consumers uh, what, what they're expecting regarding unemployment. That's also started to edge up, and historically, that's had a good leading relationship to unemployment. So all of these things are coming together, and I think they're pointing to a further softening in the jobs market ahead, which, of course, is what the Reserve Bank has been wanting to see, and ultimately, that will mean um, uh, will take pressure off wages growth and I think it, it provides them with scope to leave interest rates on hold at their next meeting. Shane, uh, on a slightly lighter note okay. perhaps, um, seeing if we can get the chart up, I don't think we have in the system right now, but uh, some, well, curious economic behaviour around uh, the Matildas match on Wednesday night. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, someone discovered that uh, little uh, note there from um, Sydney Water. And Sydney Water obviously track water usage continuously. I didn't realise they had the ability to do that. Uh, so through the course of the night, you know, the, the use of water across Sydney declines. There's a declining trend. But uh, it, it started to fall quite dramatically after the first, the opening of the first half. And then there was a, a well below trend. And then it spiked above trend um, in the, uh, the middle of the match. Everyone obviously rushing off to get a cup of tea or go to the loo, whatever, and then, of course, came down again and only uh, only picked up again once the uh, the game was over. So it, it certainly, you know, we, we've debated it all week, you know, what would be the impact of a public holiday, what would be the impact in terms of the economy, the economic boost from the Matildas winning. And uh, But uh, it looks like we're not going to get the public holiday, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, they were knocked out, which was a very disappointing 
evening to see, but they still got a lot further than I, I and anyone else thought they would get. So I think in that sense, yeah. I think we're all feeling very, very happy here. But there's the chart there. You can see the way the water usage on that Wednesday night fell way below normal after the initial kickoff, um, spiked again at half time, bit of a break, and then fell off again. And of course, the other lesson in all of this, eventually everything gets back to the trend. So you can debate Taylor Swift economic impacts, the um, Beyonce effect, uh, Olympics and all those sorts of things ultimately just end up back on the trend, yeah. which of course what happened yeah. is what's happened with our water usage. Maybe a quick shower at halftime there. Uh, Shane, just on that point, as you say, the Matildas did very well. They've made us all very, very proud. On Sunday, who do you go for? Certainly do you have. go for England because if they were going to knock us out, then at least they should win or do you go for Spain? I'll go for Spain. <laughs> I'm one of those perverse people, you know, being Anglo, English heritage. I should go for the UK, but um, I'll go for Spain out of out, out of interest. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But um, I mean, there's no doubt Matilda's did far better than uh, uh, than many would have thought. I mean, most people weren't even aware of it that was coming mm. along. So it's re- certainly put uh, women's soccer on the uh, – on the uh, the map again, and that that is fantastic. Mm. When you put that together with the Barbie effect, which makes a lot of people think about uh, gender roles in society, uh, then these have to be seen as positive developments. Yeah, indeed, Dr. Shane Oliver, vamos into the weekend. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and have a great weekend, Dr. Shane Oliver from yeah. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Um, I have on good authority too that there was actually another line on that chart as well for the English water use. Yes. We couldn't see it because they actually don't bathe. Oh, I bet you're actually going somewhere with that. <laughs> well, look, you know, he makes a very interesting point yeah. and the Barbie effect too. I've certainly yeah. been very much, I think, seen that maybe three times. Now. Oh, have Should you really? I? Should I? Be? So rather than doing the Barbenheimer, you've just done Barbie times three. I've just three. done Barbie times three. <laughs> I haven't done, done it yet. I'll have to. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, okay. Um, let's get to the leaders and laggards, shall we? And, uh, well, we've already spoken about Magellan and what was driving that today. So, well, some embattled shareholders may be seeing a silver lining there. Abacus Group, Goodman Group also rising, uh, interestingly enough. And Ingham's mm. following through from yesterday's results. I think that's really interesting because it had quite a, a few broker upgrades as well, Ingham's, yeah. and that's based on the fact that we're going to consume more chicken and more poultry. And on, and the rising prices, of course, was very much behind uh, their results as well. Let's have a look at the laggards today. Uh, super retail, of course, continuing to be under pressure. And Imogen, I, I don't think I'm saying that right, but we, we spoke to uh, the CEO, CEO earlier, earlier in the week, in the week yeah. didn't we? And uh, Centuria Capital was one of the ones that we were pointing to earlier at the top of the show as Indeed. well. Indeed, yeah. And uh, Imogene just there, uh, an institutional placement today announced, I think $35 million. So mm. raising capital, never uh, great news necessarily for existing shareholders. Yeah. Um, but some big investments there planned for the company. Uh, let's go to the small cap leaders and laggards. Um, there we go. Um, just some big moves. Sezzle uh, did have some updates during the week on its um, listing on the NASDAQ. Otherwise, I'm not too sure if there's anything driving some of those larger moves, although a little bit of, um, I guess, uh, an exposure there you can see to the to, to the resource space, which bounced back slightly today. Mm. Um, laggards in the small cap space, though. Yep, we're looking at Audio Pixels, uh, the biggest decliner, down by more than 15%. Uh, Invictus Energy also being hit quite hard there, down by about 9.5%, and Meteoric Resources too. So some quite big moves, as always, you see in the small cap space. Yeah, it always ends up being a bit of a bingo game at the end of the day <laughs> when we get to some of those small cap names. But there you go, if you're uh, in any of those, now you know. 
But let's move on and just very quickly get to what we're looking at in the week ahead. And there's a lot going on. Um, I feel like I've really undersold the number of results that are going to be dropping yes. next week. It's huge, but you know, you've I got looked BHB. at Monday's calendar. Good <laughs> luck. I'm not here on Monday. It looks crazy. I'm, I'm feeling anxious about it already. Looking forward <laughs> to the next two days off to gird myself. But um, of course, there's going to be plenty on the macro front mm. as well. PBOC policy on Monday actually expected to ease uh, some of their key interest rates further. Mm. Um, global flash PMIs during the week too. And uh, we'll get to get well, the wonky members of the, the world. Uh, Jackson Hole. Yeah, to. always, always a very big meeting there at Jackson Hole. So we'll be seeing as well, of course, the moves of the Fed, particularly when you had the, the Fed minutes this week suggesting that there was a little bit of uh, perhaps mm. not consensus on, on whether or not they've done enough tightening yet. So big week ahead. Um, Good luck on Monday. Yeah, absolutely going to need it. So <laughs> let's see where we finished up very quickly in terms of the CBO 200 and the ASX 200 as well. And uh, there you go, CBO up by 0.15%. The ASX 200 has, well, barely eked out again with a slight drop in post-market trade. We're up by two points, 0.03% for the week, mm. down by 2.62%. So not a great one for investors. I think we've made it pretty clear at this point. There's a few things that uh, are worrying folks out there, but um, that's the week that was. And I, I get the sense that, like you said, Juliet, there's going to be plenty more to uh, sink our teeth into come Monday. Yeah, absolutely. August always incredibly, incredibly busy, not just here in the Aussie market with the uh, results. But as you said, we've got Jackson Hole. We've got a lot happening globally as well. But that is it for Friday, isn't it? That is Friday. Remember, you can catch up on all the content from today and throughout the week on our website. Now, but uh, Juliet, it was great to be in the driver's seat with yeah, you today. Have a lovely fun. weekend. You too. Thanks, Val. Right. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.